Hello, thank you for listening to Rapid ONG for Medical Students. My name is Professor Justin Clark, and I'm joined today by Dr Helen Stevenson to discuss normal labour. So Helen, tell me what is labour and how do we diagnose it? Labour, which is otherwise known as parturition, delivery or childbirth, describes the process by which the foetus and the placenta are expelled from the uterus. Labour is considered to be established once there are regular painful uterine contractions associated with progressive dilatation of the cervix beyond four centimetres. There are three stages to labour. Okay, so can you take us through these three stages of labour? The first stage of labour begins once there are painful contractions and evidence of cervical change and ends once full cervical dilatation is reached. There's often a passive or latent phase before the active first stage of labour becomes established. This is when there's cervical effacement, which is the thinning and shortening of the cervix, and dilatation up to four centimetres. This process may take several days, and explanation and support for the woman and her partner are very important in this latent stage. The second stage of labour is then from full cervical dilatation to delivery of the foetus, and the third stage of labour commences with delivery of the foetus and ends with delivery of the placenta. So how long does this whole process of labour last? The average woman is in labour for around eight hours with her first baby and five hours in subsequent labours. However, there are lots of factors that affect the duration of labour. We monitor the progress of labour once it's established by performing a vaginal examination every four hours in the absence of other indications for more frequent examinations. Normal progression would be cervical dilatation of two centimetres every four hours. Okay, so that's half a centimetre per hour. If she's dilating less than that, what can you do to speed things up? Perform a full assessment to assess for the reason for the delay. Normally, the three factors contributing to delay in labour are problems with the powers, the passenger or the passage. The powers are the strength and frequency of the uterine contractions. If the contractions are mild or irregular, the labour won't progress. We can increase the strength and frequency of contractions by either performing an amniotomy, sometimes referred to as an ARM, which is an abbreviation for artificial rupture of the membranes. This simple procedure involves performing a vaginal examination and using a specially designed hook to pierce the fetal membranes to break the waters. An infusion of oxytocin, which is a hormone medication that causes uterine contractions, can then be started. Okay, so that's the powers. What about the second P, the passenger? The passenger refers to the position of the fetus. The optimal position, which is the relationship of the presenting part, usually the head, to the maternal pelvis, is the occipito-anterior position, as this presents the smallest diameter to pass through the maternal pelvis. Malpositions are abnormal positions of the vertex, which can cause delay in labour. The vertex is the area of the fetal skull, bounded anteriorly by the anterior fontanelle and the coronal suture, posteriorly by the posterior fontanelle and the lamboid sutures, and laterally by two lines passing through the parietal eminences. Examples of malposition include occipitotransverse, occipitoposterior, brow and face positions. To understand this better, it's useful to look at a picture or a model of a fetal skull. And the final P, the passage? Yes, this refers to the size and the shape of the maternal bony pelvis relative to that of the presenting part of the fetus. Okay, so she gets to 10 centimetres, that's full dilatation, and this is the beginning of the second stage? Yes, that's right. As with the first stage, the second stage has a passive and an active phase. The passive phase refers to the time from full dilatation to the onset of maternal effort. During this time, the fetal head descends onto the pelvic floor. The active part of the second stage then begins once she gets urges to push and begins expulsive efforts. The urge to push may not be apparent in some women, and in particular those with regional anaesthetic. That's an epidural or a spinal anaesthetic. In this situation, they're generally given a passive second stage of an hour before they commence pushing. A nulliparous woman should deliver within three hours of the active second stage and a multiparous woman within two hours. And the second stage should not last longer than four hours altogether. 
so we discussed the process of labour. Can we now talk about assessment of the expectant mother during labour? Well, the maternal observations are regularly documented on a partogram, which is a pictorial chart that shows the progress of labour, as well as the maternal and fetal conditions. The strength and frequency of contractions should be assessed every 30 minutes on the partogram. The maternal pulse should be documented every hour and blood pressure and temperature at least four hourly in the first stage and hourly in the second stage of labour. Bladder care should also be documented on the partogram along with the vaginal examinations. What about listening to the foetal heart? This is also recorded on the partogram. The foetal heart should be listened to using a Doppler ultrasound for one minute after a contraction, every 15 minutes in the first stage and every five minutes through the second stage of labour. You should document both the rate and the presence or absence of any decelerations. But can't the foetal heart be monitored continuously? Yes, it can. This is called cardiotocography, or CTG for short. It may also be referred to as electronic foetal monitoring. It's a means of recording the foetal heartbeat and the uterine contractions used during pregnancy. An external CTG is one that detects the foetal heart rate pattern and the uterine contractions using two transducers which are placed on the maternal abdomen. Doppler ultrasound provides the information, which is then recorded on a paper strip on a or a computer screen. An internal CTG uses an electronic transducer corrected directly to the fetal scalp via the vagina and provides a more accurate and consistent transmission record of the fetal heart rate. So why don't we use a CTG routinely? This is because application of a CTG limits the mobility of labouring mothers and can lead to unnecessary intervention. However, a CTG should be used in certain circumstances where fetal compromise is more likely such as where infection is suspected, medical or obstetric complications are present, or with fetal growth restriction. Medical interventions such as the use of epidural anaesthetic or oxytocin augmentation will also require the use of a CTG as well. Thanks for that Helen, and in our next podcast we will discuss the second and third stages of labour.